1: Welcome to episode 45 of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry?
0: I'm doing great.
1: Well, that's good.
0: You know, I was at the beach with you last week. Right. And then I only worked one night this weekend, Sunday night. And gosh, I feel amazing. <laughs> I'm like all caught up on my sleep.
1: I feel amazing too.
0: So Eric said, normally when you come home from your vacation, you need like four or five days to recover but like we didn't we go ate out in. To eat we yeah. ate in we weren't out on the town and going and doing and whatever we just we had such a chill week and it was spent chill. time outside and didn't have too many cocktails or right wine
1: we and walked we, we slept
0: really yeah. well you know it was it makes a
1: difference it was like a a spa, it we were was here at sort the beach. Of like spa. A spa. Yes. <laughs> That's the difference between staying at the house versus staying at the condos because the condos have more of that party vibe, right? exactly.
0: Yep, yeah. the music's yeah. playing, and yep. the beach bars there. There you go, yeah.
1: And here we are, and you look out there, and it's the waves and everything, so, and yeah. the
0: beach burgers
1: beckoning to you. That's from right, the beach bar. So, yeah, but not no, at the it's beach great. house. We officially no longer own the condos, they we closed on them, so we only have one beach property now which just really feels feels better
0: <laughs> yeah i can imagine it was stressful having 3 properties in a town you're not in full time
1: Exactly. It really was. So I just decided, you know what? It's time to to simplify a little bit so I can focus on just going to the beach, going to the house and and having a little more of a relaxing time. But since the last time we talked, I I guess I hadn't, Will hadn't been here yet when we No. No. Yeah. Oh, because you were here when we recorded it. Yeah. It's all blurring together. I've been here for so long. But Will came down. He was going to stay for four nights that turned into three that turned into two. He's that child that you can't pin down. He has to be going, going, going. He saw all the beach he wanted. We had a great time, but we went out to eat. We went out to brunch. We walked on the beach. We swam in the ocean. He tried to surf on the surfboard. Yeah. How'd that go? Well, he he couldn't do it, but he had fun out there. He painted because he's an artist, and he said he ended up having to go back to work a day earlier, so he was going to have to go home one day earlier. Then he woke up the day before he was going to go home, and in the middle of the day, he said, you know what? I think I'm going to go home this afternoon and sleep in my own bed so that I can have a day off. Before I have to go back to work,
0: and I'm like, all right. Isn't it funny how different people are though? Because I would have been like, if I have a day off, I'm gonna spend it laying on the beach.
1: Well, he wanted to spend his day off at home. At home, yeah, with yep. his cat. <laughs> so that's what he did. He didn't want to have to be driving home and then get up and go to work the next day. So, mm-hmm. but we had a really good time. It, it's so nice when they they grow up and you can have you know adult conversations with them. And so my
0: husband made me come home from the beach a day earlier than I wanted to <laughs> <laughs> because I would never leave the beach I mean I would come home at the very last minute heck I would drive from the beach and go straight to work and work if I could but right. he's like but I miss you come home and somehow he won because I don't know it's because you a did the
1: you did the right thing you had told him you'd so, be home so you went home
0: well I have told him I will never again tell him what day I'm coming back
1: it's a mystery. It, Eric, it's you'll see me when you see it. me. Exactly.
0: Yeah. That way I can have my freedom to choose what play I want it by to ear. do. I like to play it by ear. yes. I don't like to commit to things.
1: Well, Chad is excited I'm coming home tomorrow, let me just say.
0: I punished him Uh-oh. on Saturday all day. I made him drive me to Tennessee and take me to the aquarium in <laughs> Chad He wanted to be together. I yep. I was like, You want to be together and We're you gonna be, be together. To blow a day off. We're gonna be together. Yeah. So we went to our daughter's cheerleading that morning, watched her cheer at the football game, and then we went out to lunch, and then we went to Chattanooga and we went to the aquarium there, and then we I made him take me to his parents lake law and we hung out at the lake that evening you should have made
1: him take you to rock city too oh my gosh
0: i've been to rock city i love rock city <laughs>
1: we took a field trip there from Carrollton when i taught in Carrollton.
0: by nine o'clock he was like is it bedtime yet it's been a really full day
1: <laughs> that's great i love it
0: so that'll make him think
1: twice about making me come home there from you the go beach. he needs a vacation from your vacation <laughs> but yeah Chad's ready for me to come home and actually night before last some joker decided to set off fireworks at 4 a.m. right outside my bedroom window on the beach nice 4 a.m. I was like what is happening and I looked at what (laughs) time it was it was 4 a.m. and I almost it was all I could do the teacher in me I wanted to get up and run out there and say what are you doing but I didn't because then I was like then they're, they're probably drunk out there on the beach they're gonna like know where I live so I just kept it to myself but (laughs) <laughs> that was very rude. People do not set off fireworks at the beach at 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah. And so then now it's raining today. We're having a stormy, rainy, windy day. So tomorrow I'll be very ready to go.
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully I'll have a good drive
1: home. I think I will. But yeah, I'm, I'm getting the house all ready because we've got a renter coming and she's going to... I think it's a she. I don't know. I don't. I just know the f- very little information from the, the rental agency, but the person that's coming is going to be here for four weeks. So... I hope they have a wonderful time at my little cottage.
0: How could they not?
1: Well, that's true. <laughs> you saw my picture on Instagram yesterday of, of the, the starfish.
0: I did. It was the I've wackiest thing ever. Have never seen a ever. live starfish? No, there
1: were starfish all up and down the beach. Well, like, I did. Probably at the hundreds the other of them. Day. There were hundreds of them on the beach. And I was really like, didn't know what to do. One lady's like, oh, I throw them back. I'm like, okay. So I threw one back. And then I'm like, maybe you shouldn't throw them back. So I, I Googled it and you're not supposed to touch them.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine you're supposed to touch them. Yeah,
1: you're not supposed to, but you want to. And then all up and down the beach, I saw everyone throwing them back. So I'm like, well, I, I can't go around and tell everybody what to do. Did they
0: go back in?
1: I think they It looked like they were going to die. Oh, gosh. But that's the thing, because the, the tide was going out. So it felt like they were stranded. So, you know, like human nature, you want to help them get back out there. But right. I found an article that said that it's really bad to touch them because it can damage them. They uh-huh. got the little delicate you know, parts to their, their body. And also you introduce bacteria Uh into their habitat, their ecosystem. I mean, I know we're all swimming in the ocean, so we're all, you know, whatever, but touching them is different. Like you can yeah, we shouldn't be touching them. We have different
0: bacteria in our skin than they have on their
1: Not supposed to touch them. So I really just wanted to throw them all back, but I didn't. So who knows? I could make a case either way. Throw (laughs) them back. They die. Don't throw them back. They die. I don't know. So I just left them alone. But it was beautiful even though now that I look at think about it it probably was Sad. tragic. I don't know. Maybe the tide came back in and they washed them back out and that was just what they do. So we're going to believe it. We're going to yeah, happened. we're going to believe that.
0: So we start each show with a good news segment. That was not it. That was not it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Today's good news comes from Jen in Richmond, Virginia. And she shared something that happened in her community. On August 28th, firefighters responded to a medical call. And when they arrived, they found a man suffering from possible heat stroke after attempting to cut his lawn. The heat was well above 90 degrees and the heat index was in the triple digits of that day. So they took the gentleman to the hospital for treatment, and then the crew returned to his home, and firefighters from Engine 22 finished cutting his lawn for him. And they said the man is expected to make a full recovery, and he comes home and his lawn's cut. He doesn't have to worry about that. So I thought that was great.
1: That is a great story.
0: Yeah. I mean, they could have just returned back to the station and kicked their feet up, but yep. they went and did a good deed.
1: That was fabulous. Well, I love that. Bravo to Engine 22 from Richmond, Virginia. Listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode.
0: Before we get to the life lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you this podcast. And today I want to talk about Hungry Root. I had a little too much summer celebration in my summer. My pants are getting a little tight.
1: (laughs) It happens. (laughs) Summers
0: are busy. You're at the lake, the beach, running around, packing, traveling, unpacking. And I really got away from doing a lot of my own home cooking, but... I have gone back to using Hungry Root because it is packed full of fresh vegetables, quality proteins, whole grains, and you just cook these healthy recipes at home. They provide the recipes, or you can just kind of a la carte. It's almost like if you were to get on Instacart and just pick a bunch of groceries and put together your own recipes it's easy basically it's healthy food with minimum fuss so like i said you can either shop by recipes or just order individual grocery items or you can do a mix of both i do that usually you choose the recipes and they send you all the groceries that you need for the recipes the meals require minimal prep work many of the meats are pre-cooked the veggies are prepped and ready to use And I took some recipe ingredients to the beach with me. I had some leftover from last week that I didn't use. And I treated Jen to delicious pork tacos.
1: They were amazing.
0: I know. I keep thinking about them. The sous vide pork shoulder is high quality pork. It's marinated and pre-cooked. And I just simply had to brown it in a skillet. I tossed some lime juice in with it. We paired it with hungry roots green chili sauce and a fresh cabbage slaw that we made. So we had a quick, healthy meal in under 15 minutes. And Jen was so impressed, she signed up to give them a try the very next day.
1: That's actually true. My first (laughs) order comes next week. And I'm really excited. Like one of the meals I picked, it's grass-fed beef burgers cheddar and some kind of like like fries that you make like they oh, the, the potato. potato fries yes yes, yes. but mm-hmm. it's grass-fed you know ground beef that comes and right and it just seems I think we're going to really like it I had a lot of fun
0: I hope you do I really enjoy it and I love the variety
1: what I really liked about it you know I've done meal delivery for years since 2016 what was fun is you can say you know how when you're looking at the meal delivery companies you're like well this would be great but we're going to need something like I really want to have you know I would like to put this peppers it. peppers and onions with it, for right. example. And so I'll make a note of it and I'll send Chad to the store and say, Chad, get me some peppers and onions to go with this meal. But I don't have to do that. I can just order the peppers and onions right. and it comes with it. Yes. So I was like, okay, this is like really the next step in meal delivery. Uh-huh.
0: I told Jen, if a meal delivery company and Instacart had a baby that would be hungry. Ruth. Yeah.
1: It, and there's so <laughs> many things to choose from. And it's not the same week to week that it's not like just the same list of right meals. But yeah, one of them, I chose like some avocado crema. I was like, oh, I need avocado with this. And I just went to the little grocery section and popped it in there. So I'm yep. excited about it. We'll it's see.
0: fun. You get to be a little more creative than with conventional meal yeah. delivery kits. So if you use the link I provide in show notes, you can save $50 on your first order. Or you can go to lifelessonscommunity.com and visit the Shop With Us tab and go to the link for Hungry Root. And now it's time for our Life Lesson of the Week. Last week, we talked to Dr. Bell about how to take traumatic events in our lives and not just to survive them, but to move forward and thrive because of them. This week's discussion is kind of a continuation of that topic, quite by accident. We are joined by Meg Nocero author of Butterfly Awakens, a memoir of transformation through grief, who lived through her own traumatic events, took her grief and pain, crossed the Atlantic Ocean, and went on a healing journey. She then came home to America and wrote about her experience in order to try to help others. Welcome, Meg. We are so happy to have you here with us today. Thank you for having me. This is a great
2: opportunity. Nice to see both of you.
0: You too. So I kind of want to just start. I love this prologue to your book, and do you mind if I read it? go for it. That's awesome. It says, call me butterfly. This may not be my real name, but its symbolism aligns with my soul. You see, the soul story is so much bigger than just a given name anyway. And daring to share my story of transformation, I hope my soul story will outlast me in my name. For we all need to awaken to question who we are, why we are here, and perhaps why we go through what we do. One thing is certain, Whether we think so or not, we all have a story to tell. Maybe my story will resonate with you. Maybe it won't, but something within me beckoned to share nonetheless. My life has shown me that everything does have a purpose, and my hope is that by being open with my journey through personal loss, health challenges, and professional struggles, and overcoming these adversities, my story will serve as a ray of hope for anyone struggling to find their own light at the end of the tunnel." That was very powerful. I mean, that just got me right there in the beginning.
2: I love it. Thank you. Thank you. The beautiful thing about first pages and you're trying to capture the attention of whoever is invited or even desires to open it is that you want to make sure that you invest something really wonderful with them. You know, leave something. And I was actually watching a master class and it was margaret atwoods with the handmaid's tale and i'll tell you she's like some of the greatest openers right and one of them was from moby dick call me ishmael and i was like call me butterfly because that's my brand forever so it was like it spoke to me and that is kind of where i went with it so yeah Well,
0: we talk a lot. I talk a lot. I mean, because I fully believe like when I read that, I was like, we are on the same page. I absolutely believe that when we share, it helps us grow and it helps open the door for other people to share. And it opens the door for other people to realize they're not alone. And we all experience loss and pain and tragedy. And it's really what we do with that, that really defines us in the end. So just give us a little background history just about you
2: and how this book came to be. So the impetus behind actually the story started when my mother was diagnosed with breath cancer back in 2011. And, you know, I love to write. I'm a Fabulous engager of all words. I speak four languages. I speak Spanish, Italian, French, and, and, and English sometimes. You know, so I like to play with the languages to see what kind of words can unfold. And the really amazing thing is that I looked to the written word to have this cathartic healing experience to pull me through a grieving process when she finally succumbed to breast cancer on April 12, 2011. And I was trying to grasp the magnitude of the grieving process in such a way that I wasn't necessarily overwhelmed so much by it, but that I got curious around it. But that's not how it actually started for me because I fell apart in like so many ways from here to Sunday that you guys, honestly, I was surprised that I could pull myself out of the closet. Literally every day going to work, just standing on my two feet, making it out the door was a Bravo moment! I expected a great round of applause because I was so broken after having lost her. So what you were saying to that point, with regard to you know sharing our vulnerability, you know the world does not do that. Nobody out there in the world is going to really give you a pass if you show up in a, you know a mess of tears or so everyone tries to just hide what's really going on inside. And it, it's proven out to me that that's the worst thing you could possibly do for your life because in the end, your body is going to react and you can't stop it. And I actually started having anxiety attacks because I wasn't engaging in the whole grieving process in a healthy way. I just tried to numb out, to it rather than you know process it It started my journey there because i needed to ask for help for the first time i'm a very independent person and i was a federal immigration attorney i you know had my two children i had everything going on like i could handle i was multitasking and then she died and my whole world like kind of swallowed me up so I would turn to writing and writing this book eventually um, as a healing process, a healing tool for me so I could start really looking at what was happening to me because otherwise I would have probably walked numbly through my life and I don't know, I think I might have disappeared in the grief. It felt like that at least.
1: That's a a beautiful reason to write it. You know, we're taught as women, as members of society, not just women, men too, you know, to bury everything and we can do it. We are strong. You know, that image of women from the 70s, you know, I can bring home the bacon, fry it yeah. up in a pan, <laughs> right? And never let you forget you're a man. I was, do y'all remember that one? Yeah, oh, yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, and we can do it while we're, you know, getting over any problems like they don't even happen, right? So acknowledging, wow, we have to sit with our grief and we have to acknowledge it. and We have to work through it.
0: That is so very true. And when you were talking, it I flashed back. My brother passed away suddenly in 2010, the end of 2010. I immersed myself into a cross-country move, a new job, work, 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 working work crazy hours. And I started having esophageal spasms. I mean, I thought I was having a heart attack one day. And I went to the hospital. They did all these tests. And they said, it's stress, Sherry stress. What are you so stressed out about? And I finally realized it was, you know, I hadn't processed the grief of losing my brother. I just stuffed that down and I just kept surviving. But my body knew I was suffering. Your body will force you to slow down and stop at some point.
2: Yeah. I I ended up with tinnitus. It's that ringing in the, it feels like in your whole body eventually, because you just can't get any kind of respite from it. It's just loud ringing in your head. And for me, that was kind of like the wake up call I needed to say, okay, there's two opportunities here. One, I was, I'll be honest with you, and I'm going to be vulnerable to your audience. And I tell it in my book, I was having suicidal ideations, because literally to actually look at my life having to have this forever, without any kind of, you know, relief, Mm -hmm. It just was not tenable because I couldn't sleep. I had insomnia just like you. You're like stress-induced, and you're like, what? (laughs) What do you mean, you know? Give me a break. I am going through this, but I'm going to get this compounded too. So it was, you got to step back and realize my nervous system was like completely on the fritz. I was exhausted. And, you know, instead of ignoring that because your body, like you said, doesn't allow you to ignore that, you have to address it and, and address it in the way that is not convenient for you, but aligns with you. I think that a lot of people try to imitate others and it doesn't work and they like get all frustrated. But you have to figure out a way that works for you. And I'm sure when you had that, you had to figure out tools, you know, so that you could actually incorporate them in your life more or less effortlessly because it must have been hard enough as it were.
0: Right, right. And you bring up a good point, is that people always want to know, like, what worked for you and what worked for you. And that's great for a starting point, but you have to fine tune it and figure out, you know, what works for your body and your mind
2: and and your peace. You know, we're a quick fix society. Everybody wants to take a pill and be done with it. And I was (laughs) like, all right, this is nothing fixed. Nothing quick is happening for me. I had to really start to process. And that's where writing came in for me. I think other people, you know, obviously support groups are really good as well, but I went the whole route of the whole holistic healing. I was just like, let me see what's out there. And then I started asking questions and people started showing up for me. So, you know, it was a process. I looked back and I was like, wow, the things that I actually like tried to see what would actually work for me was a process and and I I laughed because I was so desperate that I needed help that I was going to try anything that was legal let's put it that way so that, that I would you know like so that you know for for real at this point in time I was like I so I felt like little tiny incremental shifts in possibility which you know when my mother passed away and this is kind of like fascinating to me because I keep looking back and seeing this vision I had when she died of this lighthouse. And it was like, let me go. And I'm just like, wow, I don't want to let anything go of this. This is not the way the life was supposed to unfold for me. And that was what brought me to the Camino because I was searching for the light, the lighthouse that I had seen in this vision that was just so bizarre to me. I don't know if anybody here has had Something like that. But it's like, okay, now I'm really losing my mind at that point. So, you know, one of those things, you know, this is the human experience. You accept and you get curious or you don't. So you have that, you know, like I said, those two choices one opportunity, one, like I said, could be a curse. But, you know, I think when you, <laughs> you submit to the opportunity, it becomes a little bit more hopeful. Those life lessons that you guys speak to become life possibilities to learn more about this elevated state or this enlightenment process
1: absolutely so your book is in three parts part one grief and the subtitle of that is trust the process so could you go into that a little bit for us because what do you mean by trust the process there
2: I think it was a trust the process question mark for me because I was uh-huh. just like, really? <laughs> like, I have to be this trusting at this point. And, you know, I'm like the middle child. I'm the rebel without a cause. I I will forcefully dump my way into temper tantrums and then I'll okay, give in, right? So I have to have the temper tantrum first, then I give in. So trust the process to me was more like, no, 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 no. I held on. I didn't want to. And then I was like, okay, reluctant, right? The right. reluctant, you know, okay, this is not obviously working for me on this one side. So I basically embraced whatever showed up, which literally was less painful, less suffering than the, the, the other side of the coin. And, uh, you know, anybody out there who has experienced grief in any remnant of their life, like, for instance, you you know lose a job, you lose a person, you, you lose a sense of who you are, your identity. You know, the whole looking in the mirror, not seeing what you knew, that change component. I fight change. I do not like to change. I would rather keep one leg in my old world and one leg in the new one and then think, but you end up splitting yourself, which is not, you know, not workable
1: after a while because you feel... You made an important point there. Grief is not reserved solely for death of a loved one. Many things can cause grief and it can be just, you know, a symbolic death, like a a change in your life that you weren't expecting.
2: Yeah, that is definitely something that people don't necessarily understand that there is a process in all of it. You know, when like something that you love so much, regardless of whether it's a person, place or thing, right, when we have to let go of it so we can move on to something else it is a grieving process in many respects, because you don't know who you are without that. And you have to relearn or becoming right something different. And, you know, depending on where you are in your life, and whatever generation you are, maybe it'd be different. I don't know. But for me, I wasn't ready for the change that was that was definitely forced upon me.
1: Right. So, I mean, it could be, it could be a new job. It could be moving. It could be the empty nest. It could be so many things when your life is just suddenly not what it was before and you don't really know what to do with it.
2: Absolutely. I, it is. And, you know, trusting the process There's a faith component, and uh, you know, like they always say, someone who's a very confident person is someone who walks with faith. And I'm not saying it has to be a deity or a spirituality or anything like that, but with a knowing that in the uncertainty, there's direction as long as you take the next best step. So, whatever that is, like I said before, what is that next best step for you? And when you do, you don't get stuck or mired in the mud. Like literally a lotus flower will not show up as this beautiful lotus flower unless it's growing through the mud. So you have to understand that if you keep growing, you keep evolving, then there's something beautiful that can happen on the other end. And that is where I was going with the whole metamorphosis of the butterfly in my book, the three stages of the caterpillar to the cocoon
1: to the butterfly. Yeah. And part two is called transformation metamorphosis through the darkness. So that, that fits right in there. So what do you do? How do you have that transformation in that dark moment?
2: Well, you know, one of the things everybody likes to ask me is why the butterfly? And I was like, because a butterfly is a mess before it turns into something beautiful. (laughs) I mean, and I certainly embrace my lovely, wonderful mess sometimes, you know, Sometimes not. I don't embrace I was like, why
1: can't it be easier? But And you know, can I jump in with something really quick? People may not realize how much of a mess that process is. I was an elementary teacher for a long time. And one year in my third grade classroom, we had a butterfly tent. And we started with the little caterpillars. and Then they, you know, had their little chrysalis that they spun. And then when they emerged from the chrysalis, it was bloody. I mean, it was like, it was gross. It left stuff wow. behind. You're like, it, yeah, like it, I didn't know that. It looked really yucky. I'm like, oh, that's gross. <laughs> so it's not. Then we had the beautiful butterflies, but the process was very messy. People, you didn't know that, Sherry. I did not know that. If you haven't seen it happen, it's not you. you know, it's just gross. like childbirth. Right.
0: <laughs> it's gross. Right. I knew. I knew caterpillar, and then butterfly. Cute little
1: cocoon, right? Yes, or, cute little cocoon, <laughs> and then the chrysalis is actually for the butterflies. Okay. And cocoon is for moths. Okay, chrysalis is for butterfly. Did y'all know that? That's my third grade. I didn't think teacher coming out. Sorry, that was my life
0: lesson today.
1: (laughs) There you go. But it is very messy. So you're you're having that messy transformation coming out of darkness. It's a beautiful metaphor.
2: It really is. I have to tell you, and, and, and someone told me, this is another interesting fun fact for your audience, is that a butterfly generally only lives for two weeks, which really right. devastated me. Esso- essentially, I was like, wait a, wait a second. So they go through this entire process. and for they two die. Weeks.
1: Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, they do. Weeks. They do. We had to release them very quickly. Yeah. I didn't- <laughs>
2: but, you know, interestingly enough, it just speaks to life, really, because, you know, this beauty lasts. And then you start all over again. Right. You go back to the whole beginning again, which, you know, but I think people think, oh, God, I got to start from the beginning. But for me, your foundation is definitely elevated once you've gone through the process, because as a lawyer, I always say the evidence shows if you get through something, you know, the evidence shows you've made it strong, you're stronger now than you were before and that this did not kill you it, it made you stronger so that is a different another component that i i really embrace as far as the whole symbolic that like we're talking about call me butterfly well what does that mean you know the whole symbolism of your life unfolding as somebody who only sees one way like crawling on the ground basically and then you jump into the messiness you know it's the hero's journey ultimately right and then you come out about it, like the fly so your perspective changes because you see things from a different altitude literally so the world opens up for you if you embrace the process right if you trust the process which you know no one can convince anyone to do so sometimes it's like the like i said the encounter (laughs) you know you know butterfly who just goes for it and doesn't give up and that's ultimately what i kind of held on to is i don't give up i'm very persistent and that really did serve me in many respects. Talk about your transformation. So, you know, I, as a child, It didn't have much of a voice, per se, because I lived in my own world, you know, I navigated accordingly, and I actually became a lawyer, and I thought that, you know, that would give voice to me, you know, because I was able to advocate for others in many respects. And it did, because one of the things that I learned more than anything is how important listening is, and then be able to articulate well subsequent to actually hearing people out. And, you know, but for me, you know, as you know, I used to cross-examine all the time. So I'm always looking at body language. I'm studying the human person, right? Because people cover their mouths, they lend back, you know. It's like, oh, something's going to happen here. I can jump on But anyway, so for <laughs> my children hate me for that because I know when a lie is coming. And I just oh, don't yeah, you can just tell. <laughs> Stop <laughs> it right there, baby. Don't go any further. I got gotcha, you, you know. But as far as the transformation process for me, there came a time. You know what they say? If you don't listen to the, you know, call, then the universe will make it very uncomfortable for you to right. stay where I you have. are. And and I've heard that said over and over again until it actually started to happen for me. It happened to me, or for me, I like to say for me. But a lot of doors started closing and a lot of really awesome doors started opening. So. It's a part of my story where I say my magical mentors, but literally my magical mentors. Like I was on stage with Oprah. She's telling me to my face in front of 15,000 people, live the life of your dreams. I'm like, don't ignore that. (laughs) i just like, at least I don't because she's like one of my magical mentors. And, And then other people I would meet. Wayne Dyer, whose anniversary of his death was just the other day. You know, he kept saying in his books to me. When you believe it, you'll see it. And then I got to meet him in person. And he actually saw the cover, the initial cover of my book, because one of the things that he is emphatic about is that you create the end process, the end cover, and then you start to believe it's going to happen, right? So when you believe it, you'll see it. And he was like, this is beautiful. Keep going. So all of these people that, you know, the unlikeliest places I would find myself because I would... You know, take those opportunities in my transformation, figuring out what it is that I want to do, where is I want to go. And and one of the things that I had mentioned in my book, at the least at the beginning, is one of the most important, like, speeches I think I've ever heard was Oprah at Ellie Wiesel's, I think one of the events where he was getting, or she was getting the award. And she said, one of the things, one of the most powerful things that you should ask yourself is, why am I here? Because at your end of your days, you're going to want to say, did you answer to that call? Did you do what you were supposed to? Like, did you listen to the bray of your heart? Is that wonderful I am that you get to do here, have that opportunity to inspire others, to be on a wonderful podcast like this, to educate others? to embrace others, whatever it is that you're here to do, that you did it, and at the end of your days, you'll have no regrets. And that's one of the lessons that my mother actually told me before she died. You better have no regrets when it comes to the end of your time and stress will kill you. So those two <laughs> things i like and mind you that was right before like the world came and like sucked me in like a right. vacuum. So I was like, what are you talking about? You're not going anywhere. And then whoa, this whole whoosh. So my transformation ultimately happened because I have a lot of fears. I'll be honest with you. I have in the past been very sucked in by my fears. I'm afraid of what people will say, you know, of whether I'll be, you know, accepted, whether I get approval from others. And at that point, I was just like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> just like, I'm done. I can't deal with this. If you know, if this is going to be my story and how I decide to be it, you show up as the heroine of my story. Then I got to start living
1: my life. Well, because good things are on the other side of that fear, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And
0: as I was listening to you talk for the last couple of minutes, I kept thinking how. I could see a braveness about you. It's so easy to get stuck in your grief and to get stuck in what you know and just to stay there. It gets comfortable there, right? But you had to really be brave and say, I want more. I need to go after more. There's more for me. And you had to put that fear aside to push forward
2: yeah you know the word courageous is comes from the latin core which means heart. the heart right yeah i
1: knew. yeah it does
2: and if you're a very empathetic or a heart guided or passionate person you know when you're not showing up to that passion in your life you know that something is off alignment you yeah, know you're just that. punching the clock at that point exactly and by you know not paying attention or answering to that you feel like you're slowly dying and I figured, you know what, I don't know how many years I have in my life. I mean, nobody even perceived this last year with COVID and everything, you know, it's a wake up call to like, you know, what is it that I want to do here? What is it? How do I, do I want to show up here? Who do I want to serve and help here? And and I'm not saying that that's always going to be me. I'm, I get tired too. Way too much is too much. But the bottom line is that I had to take a leap of, of faith. Ultimately, toward my dreams, which meant leaving what I thought were my dreams behind. And that is quite terrifying at the same time, exciting. And, uh, you know, then start asking big, right? Start uh, setting out that, that net because that's what it led me to the part three of my book, right? So I was like, I'm not going to write a story that has a bad ending. I was like, there's no way, no way. I was like, no, because I don't like to read things.
1: (laughs) Right. Me neither. Everybody
0: wants the happy ending.
1: The first, when I went to see Phantom of the Opera, I don't know how I was living under a rock, but I didn't know that the end was sad. (sighs) And I'm sitting there and I'm like looking at everybody that I was there with. And I'm like, why did no one tell me this has a bad ending? (laughs) I I was mad. (laughs) Anyway, so part three is called free a leap of faith to fly. So how did you fly? So
2: a beautiful part of my journey was when I decided to go on El Camino de Santiago in Spain, the famous pilgrimage. And I'll be honest, I never hiked a day in my life except when I went to camp when I was like in seventh grade and one day up a mountain was miserable and I decided that I was going to do this without any kind of experience. I did get a friend of mine who is definitely someone who is very knowledgeable with regard to that but so i figured at least she knows what we're doing so if i clearly have out of my mind she will look at me and tell me i don't know if this is for you but i don't <laughs> think it would have stopped me anyway i had a mission i was a i had a plan and ultimately i resigned from 20-year career i had with the federal government you know i left my benefits on the table i was like i'm gonna get my freedom because i didn't want to punch a clock anymore like you said jen i i wanted right. to you know, be able to, you know, manifest destiny, but not necessarily the same way of like pillage and kill. But I wanted to like, you know, create this vision of my life that I could say, I could sign up for myself. If someone said, would you like to live this? I would say, yes, that's that's something I would like to do. So, you know, creativity, you know, the whole, you know, bringing it back into your life. And I love the artist way because, you know, recovering that inner creative, I think we all are creative, you know, building something that comes from your heart space like we spoke before.
1: And just to pop that in there, we really are all creative. You know, I was an elementary teacher, for, as I said, for 28 years, and I studied creativity as a part of my doctorate in gifted education. And children are born with creativity, and then the education system beats it out of them and convinces them <laughs> that they're not creative. You know, a first grader is, is creative in a different way than a 12th grader who has now learned to conform. So you're exactly right. So everyone listening, if you think you're not creative, it's still there in your heart. It's
2: still there. Don't mm-hmm. deny it because... Right. You could be denying one of the happiest places in your life. You know, when you we get it out
1: of them by fourth grade for some of them. You know, we, they start to conform. And it's really one of the tragedies of our school system.
0: I had never heard of that book you just mentioned it and I'd never heard of it until a couple months ago. A listener recommended it oh, uh, yeah. on like they write, they'll write to us and make recommendations for books or whatever. And so they recommended that book for people. And I was reading about it before we shared it. And I was say like, say the name I've of the never... book again, Sherry, the artist's way. Yeah. Is that the what it's called? Way. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. And I, and just reading the reviews on like Amazon that people had written were so touching And how, you know, helpful it was in their healing of whatever they had going on or, you know, lifting the veil of that sort of I'm just trudging through life and now I have this freedom. And it it was really inspiring just to read the the reviews of the book. So I don't know how that was off my radar for so long.
2: Well, you know, it goes through the 12 week process of healing, right? Uh It, it, It follows exactly that. And it just has you tune in. To your artist date, what if you like the museums? You go by yourself, make set a date for yourself, and you go to a museum. Like I don't know how accessible right now, but you just go and you experience it on your own, and you process it on your own instead of having you know distraction. But it's all about you know figuring out what makes you come alive again, and like you said. Fourth grade, is it gone? That's a long time to live your life without having that I know. Like, creative
1: opportunity. That spark, <laughs> losing the spark and learning to conform. So everybody dig in and find it. So you you reawakened your creativity. Right, and you know, how exciting would it be to get that box of crayons again for
2: the first time when no one's touched it, you could actually open it up and throw the colors down and start to draw. And that's the thing that anyone can do is start to just take it and start putting colors in your life, you know, again. And, and that's really what it felt like. I was painting a life that was more colorful, was more based in, in bliss, you know, happiness. It wasn't easy. Now I'm not saying it was easy at all. And if anyone is going through that grief process right now, I'm not trying to paint Pollyanna that, Oh, it's fine. Just wake up and just like, it's a great, beautiful day because ultimately that is not what's going to happen. However, the transformation process if you are curious once again and you open your mind to like learning something possibly new every day to move you forward in increments then it can shift over time as long as you said like you don't you know unpack and stay there and make a home <laughs>
0: Something you said that really, you know, you can unpack and stay there. You can just stay in that gray world, you know, but you do have to paint your life, you know, create the life that you are proud of and that you want and that you desire. And and it's not easy. You know, I think you have to make a conscious decision every day that you're going to do that.
2: I'm a really intentional person. I love the power of awareness and attention. And I think, you know, I do vision boards. I'll be honest, I do vision boards because I love looking through magazines and seeing the pictures of the world. I think experiences. Is- are those things that not only open your world to new people, but open your world to new concepts and to new experiences, as well as, you know, different places in the world and travel, et cetera. But I didn't want to go anywhere when I was going. Oh, there. I was just like, leave me alone. I'm never traveling again. So that was the stubborn child in me saying that this is too painful. I don't want to, to do this anymore and shift over to, well, you know, Suffering is optional. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. So, if I don't want to suffer anymore, and I had a two year old. I mean, my daughter would, I couldn't imagine her losing me even while I was still there at right. two years old. I have so many memories, wonderful memories of my parents and my mom. And I just couldn't imagine, you know, not having that with my kids. But I was, I think I'm more gentle now because at first I was berating myself. But now I'm more gentle because everybody has their own process. It really is a personal thing. And uh, I didn't give up, but it was in my own time. And, you know, transformation is really in your own time. And then when you do get to a point, it's just, you you know, I tend to enjoy things that make me laugh now. I didn't think I had laughter anymore then. That's a, like looking back over that time and seeing that, you know, progression. I'm so grateful. I really do count that as a blessing being able to have a conversation, you know, with other people sharing this experience and and you know, ultimately I did negotiate with for me it was God at, at the outset I said, "Okay, I'm going to walk through this." At the end of the day, I'm praying to God that my story is something that I can share to give hope to other people because I didn't have it myself and ultimately that is the gift that I wanted to give back by sharing the vulnerability of my story. So, you know, if that is or yes, that is my intention with this book.
1: And I think the the hope is there that you know, you you have your grief and you sit with it and you acknowledge the grief, but then you're ready to have that metamorphosis that you talked about and then take that leap of faith to fly. And it sounds to me like the life that you're living now on the other side of that transformation is a lot more rewarding after you've gone through this process.
2: Well, I I do believe in celebrating. (laughs) So just so you know, I'm one person who definitely feels that once you've accomplished something, if there's a ritual that you like to do that will acknowledge what you've gone through and what you have survived, then do it, and I think, you know, for me, obviously, you know, graduations are a big thing. I had, you know, I got degrees, I got four degrees, and and I feel like, you know, one of the things that we do after a graduation is come together and acknowledge, you know, the people that have been in our life to support us, too. It's kind of that give and take, that karmic cycle, you know, of, of give and receive, so that's huge at the end, you know, to say, really turn back and say, thank you, I could not have done that by myself. And that becomes a more expansive, you know, process where I acknowledge those people who didn't let me stay where I was in that mess.
0: Yeah, that's really great. Tell our listeners, where can they find your book?
2: And just remind them what it's called. Yes, so my book is called Butterfly Awakens. It's a memoir of transformation through grief. It is available everywhere books are sold, amazon.bookshop.org, indiebound, everywhere that books are sold. It actually gets released on the 7th of September, so next Tuesday, which I'm really excited about. And any bookstore as well, you can ask if it's not there, you can ask the bookseller, they'll provide it for you. But it's definitely available everywhere books are sold.
1: And by the time this podcast comes out, the episode comes out on October 6th. So it will have been out for just about a month yes. by then.
2: Awesome. Wonderful. And I welcome anyone who wants to contact me. My email address is at mac.com. My website is megnosero.com. Please reach out. I like to feel like the give back, the pay it forward is to be openly available to people through chats, things like that, so that if people are struggling, you know, I at least can guide them perhaps to a place where they could get the help they might need.
1: Wonderful. That's great. great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I know that your mom Mm -hmm. is... She's so proud, proud of, of you. you. Her soul sees what you're mm-hmm. doing.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. And this has been wonderful. And I see that you have life's the beach behind you, Jen. And I, I am have at, to the say, yes, I <laughs> at the beach. Yes. But I'll tell you, that is probably one of my happiest places. I will go the there when I need peace. And it's just the vitamin C that keeps me going. Absolutely. So like said, I've
1: been here for almost three weeks. I'm going home to my home inland tomorrow but it's been restorative. Sherry joined me here for last week. Four nights. She was here last week and it's been wonderful. One of my sons came and spent some time with me. And so yeah, I go back to quote real world tomorrow. (laughs) But it's it's been wonderful. I feel transformed after my time here. That's
2: awesome. That's awesome. I love the beach. (laughs) I love the beach. So it is, it's definitely a place where you can get your bearings again and breathe. Learn to breathe deeper and fuller and so that you can face whatever comes at you.
0: Before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast, and that is Bellicon Rebounders. Jen and I both have Bellicon Rebounders. I've had mine for over 11 years now. It is a great investment into your health. Unlike expensive workout equipment that needs to be serviced and have motors that can burn out or need, you know, general maintenance, the Belicon does not. Once you buy it, the only upkeep you should ever have is to replace the high-quality bungees every few years or so. Rebounding offers so many positive health benefits, offering low-impact exercise in your own home. It can help regulate your body's insulin levels for up to 24 hours after a session, helping to keep your blood sugar in check. It helps strengthen your immune system, and doing a soft bounce daily stimulates your lymph system. A study that was published in the International Journal of Sports Science has concluded that rebounding exercise is twice as effective at improving aerobic fitness and 50% more efficient at burning fat than running. It also showed that exercising on a rebounder increased vertical jumping ability.
1: I just love it. It's also a lot of fun, and I think it's really strengthening my pelvic floor. Mm -hmm.
0: Yep. (laughs) See, many users find that by doing specific exercises on the rebounder, they are able to strengthen their pelvic muscles to help prevent organ prolapse and urine leakage. By rebounding for as little as 15 minutes per day, you can help ease the pain of arthritis and help ward off osteoporosis. And what I find to be one of the number one best benefits in aging is that it helps keep your vestibular system strong and can improve balance, which helps prevent falls. Falls are the leading cause of injury-related death in people over the age of 65. And over the last 10 years in America, the number of falls have escalated, and in part, they believe it's due to a less active lifestyle. They have models with handles attached if you feel uneasy about bouncing without a handle or if you currently have balance or coordination issues. They just have so many uses. I've raved about Bellicon for years and I just
1: I love them. Well, I had cheap ones before I got the Bellicon. And like I always knew I love to jump on things, but the two I had before were cheap. Right. And I, they didn't stick around in my life. I would use mm-hmm. them a little bit and then they would get, I'd put them outside, then they'd get rusty, then I'd throw them away. Then I got another one, same thing. Right. And then when I finally invested in the Bellicon, I'm like, oh, this is different.
0: See, I always had the cheap ones and they break and they wear yeah. out and the springs break and they're just not the same I'm just gonna tell you jumping once, on them wasn't the you same jumped either on this,
1: it's a different jumping experience a,
0: exactly and yeah. I bought kind of a mid-model price range one I just didn't love it it wasn't what I thought it should be for the money so then I finally just was like I'm gonna buy the Cadillac of Rebounders right. which is the Bellicon I made the commitment I've never been sorry it's easy to move it's easy to store I've taken it cross-country three times like I could never have done that with a treadmill or an elliptical machine, you know. I really can't say enough. I'll have a link in show notes, or you can check them out by going to lifelessonscommunity.com forward slash bellicon.
1: So next we have the segment that we call our listener-led lesson. It might be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. And today's listener-led lesson comes from Leslie Johnson. Leslie says, we grow a lot of vegetables and fruit. I freeze tons of them. I use a brick-shaped container to freeze things in. This allows me to get much more in the freezer. So simple but helpful. And I'm like, wow, that that seems so simple, Leslie. But when I first read it, I skimmed it. And I'm like, well, this is what we said already about putting things in ice cube trays. But no, it's not. It's not the same. When I would freeze things, I would put them in a bowl. And then it's round. And then the round things are all over the place. But if they're in a rectangular brick shape, they stack together. Yeah. So see, or better. I
0: use like freezer bags and then they're all like sliding you know, around, sliding around. You can't stack them. You open the freezer door and they come they falling out. out. Yeah. That's yep. my
1: freezer. So yep. a brick shaped container, much better.
0: Great tip. At the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener and today's quote comes from Betsy. She writes, you get to choose in every single minute of this beautiful life, just how you will live. Betsy wrote, two years ago, on August 31st, my lovely, powerful daughter, Allie Girkman, passed away at the age of 41. She was brilliant and continues to inspire friends, family, and total strangers with her life advice and her legacy. She has many well-known quotes, and this one in particular was taken from a five-minute Boulder Ignite speech, which can be found on YouTube. It now appears on a bench in City Park in Denver, Colorado, which was her home. If you Google Allie, you can learn more about her legacy. Memories and thoughts of her bring me joy every day.
1: That's beautiful. I love that quote. You get to choose in every single minute of this beautiful life just how you will live. And you know, that really reminds me of of our guest today.
0: It really does. Yes. It was perfect. Mm -hmm. It was perfect. It's funny
1: how things come together like that. It absolutely is. So listeners, thank you for joining us today. Join the Facebook community for this podcast. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and we would love for you to leave a review on iTunes. It helps us reach others. Do you have a story to share for our Good News segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you want to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly Life Lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and then listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. And until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.